Welcome to the Kotke Ride Home for Friday, May 7th, 2021. I'm Jackson Bird. No, there is not evidence of mushrooms on Mars. And the story of how that information spread yesterday goes even deeper than you may think. Part of the rocket China launched at the end of last month is hurtling uncontrollably back to Earth, and no one knows exactly where and when it will land. And Lego dropped an ASMR mixtape. Here are some of the cool things from the news today. Yesterday, there was a bit of excitement online about a new paper claiming fungi had been found growing on the surface of Mars. The news really made the rounds, buoyed perhaps by Reddit co-founder Alexis Ohanian tweeting out one of the articles on it and tagging Elon Musk saying, quote, Just think, hashtag space shrooms are gonna be intense AF, end quote. But sadly, the whole thing was a bunch of crap, basically. Just the latest in a long line of one particular hack's attempts to get his pseudoscience hogwash published in legitimate journals. So the claim that was actually published in the journal Advances in Microbiology and included co-authors from Harvard-Smithsonian Center for Astrophysics, George Mason University, and other institutions that should know better, was that images taken by NASA's rovers on Mars, as well as its reconnaissance orbiter's high-rise camera, show several fungus-like organisms, and that they believe the images show fungus because, quoting the paper, fungi thrive in radiation-intense environments. End quote. And quoting from Futurism, the team went so far as to say that black fungi bacteria like specimens also appeared atop the rovers. They didn't stop there. The team also examined photos taken by NASA's high rise and found evidence for amorphous specimens within a crevice that changed shape and location, then disappeared. It is well established that a variety of terrestrial organisms survive Mars-like conditions, the team concludes. Given the likelihood Earth has been seeding Mars with life and life has been repeatedly transferred between worlds, it would be surprising if there was no life on Mars. The team argues that these Martian life forms would have evolved on and already be adapted to the low temperatures, intermittent availability of water, low amounts of free oxygen, and high levels of radiation. End quote. Now, even in that original article yesterday, Futurism did end by saying that it was a wild conclusion and that the researchers' peers would likely shred the results. But how many people do you think really read all the way to the end of their article? Or even clicked on it past the headline they saw in Alexis Ohanian's tweets? To Futurism's credit, they have now published a separate article debunking the paper and added an update to the top of the original article. Much of the legwork on the debunking, however, goes to my favorite myth-busting science communicator, Jackson Ryan, over at CNET. He knew exactly what happened as soon as the headlines broke, because he's seen it all before and knows who's behind it. Ryan says the mushrooms on Mars or fungi on Venus theory comes back around about once a year, and it's never been true. Often at the center of the claims is a man Ryan calls the Space Tiger King. And one look at the man's website will tell you why. Ron Gabriel Joseph, spelled R-H-A-W-N, has a site called BrainMind.com that looks like it hasn't been updated since 1999. 
It features bizarrely photoshopped images of himself that you can tell he thinks are really artistically impressive and flattering, as well as quotes from himself saying things like, quote, Can a lizard comprehend a man? Can a man comprehend a god? Who dares speak for God? Perhaps even the gods have gods who have gods. End quote. That quote appears alongside a laundry list of academic publications dating back to the 70s and a personal biography that grossly includes an entire paragraph about his sexual awakening as a peeping Tom and bragging about how many women he's totally slept with. It's really the worst. In an article Ryan wrote about Joseph last summer, he describes him as, quote, an enigma wrapped in a riddle wrapped in a shirt unbuttoned to his stomach, end quote. And in yesterday's article, Ryan explained, quote, According to his webpage, Joseph is a lapsed neuroscientist who made major contributions to the field of neuroplasticity in the 1970s. Joseph has, for over a decade, published claims about life on other planets on his website and in pseudoscientific journals he oversees. His assertions sometimes make it to the big leagues and spill over into the press, but for the most part, they haven't landed in legitimate scientific journals or been scrutinized by other experts in space science, end quote. But in 2019, Joseph did actually manage to get a paper through peer review and published in the journal Astrophysics and Space Science. That is when Ryan first published a piece on CNET throwing water on Joseph's claims and the journal retracted Joseph's article. Fast forward to yesterday when Joseph's latest attempt about the fungi on Mars was published in the journal Advances in Microbiology. Ryan describes it as, quote, a relatively obscure journal published by Scientific Research Publishing, which is headquartered in China and has previously been caught out for republishing scientific articles, according to Nature. It's been accused of being a predatory publisher, charging scientists fees to be published in its journals without checking the quality of the submitted papers, end quote. Advances in microbiology has not yet responded to requests for comment from Ryan, and at least one person publicly listed as being on the editorial board of the publisher, Scientific Research Publishing, told Ryan that he hasn't been on the board for at least five to six years. Zoe Yang, the managing editor of the journal, told the South China Morning Post that Joseph's article did actually go through double-blind peer review. She said, quote, After peer review, it was accepted with revisions as we received four review results from different reviewers. They all suggest that we accept it after some revisions. End quote. But even Wei Jinli from the Institute of Microbiology under the Chinese Academy of Sciences in Beijing, who is listed as one of the paper's authors, said the paper was, quote, conjecture instead of results based on tangible examination of samples, end quote. All right, so basically we've got a lead author and a journal, both with poor track records, but the science in the paper doesn't hold up either, not in its method or in its facts. Quoting Ryan, The new paper, dubbed Fungi on Mars, Evidence of Growth and Behavior from Sequential Images, rehashes some of the old arguments for life on Mars, using inaccurate methodology to draw its conclusions. For the most part, Joseph and his co-authors use images obtained by NASA rovers and draw red lines and arrows to point out features they believe correspond to fungal growth. One experiment performed by the authors is to analyze the size and movement of spherical specimens in the paper. It routinely references previous work by Joseph as evidence for its conclusions. The team suggests it would be surprising if there were no life on Mars, but this is not true. We have mountains of data showing the conditions of Mars are not conducive to life as we know it. 
Could fungi get around these conditions? Perhaps, but the evidence for that is thin. End quote. Jonathan Clark, a geologist and president of the Mars Society Australia, told the South China Morning Post, quote, The conditions on Mars are so extreme that you're not going to see fungi or any kind of life growing at that sort of speed under conditions like coldness and low air pressure. Life can barely survive, let alone thrive. End quote. And his explanation for the ball-like images that Joseph Ayall claimed to be mushrooms is that they're just red iron minerals that get left when other rock erodes. He points out that there's barely any organic matter for fungi to feed on, saying, quote, It's like expecting to see a lush garden suddenly growing in a desert almost overnight, end quote. As Paul Myers, a developmental biologist at the University of Minnesota Morris, put it to Ryan in CNET, quote, Claiming that mushrooms are sprouting all over Mars is an extraordinary claim that requires better evidence than an analysis of photographic morphology by a known crank who has claimed on the basis of the same kind of analysis that he has seen fields of skulls on Mars. End quote. And that's part of the deal here. This is a shoddy excuse for a scientific paper, no matter what. But when you're making such a groundbreaking claim, you'd better have ironclad evidence. This is the kind of story that's going to make headlines and get people excited, so to not handle that with care and due diligence is irresponsible and damaging to the actual work being done by international space agencies. And this should be a lesson to all of us on media literacy. As Ryan points out, quote, If we were to find life elsewhere in the solar system, it wouldn't first appear in the Advances in Microbiology journal. Readers should remain skeptical of any fungi claims they see, especially those promulgated by a single group of scientists, end quote. It can be easy to get caught up in the excitement and possibility of things like this, but a handful of articles tweeted out and citing one single paper when it's on a topic as massive as life on Mars is probably not going to be any real news. This is the kind of thing that NASA would hold a massive press conference for that you couldn't go two minutes without hearing hyped up. And if and when that happens, it will probably be about life that existed ages and ages ago on Mars, not some mushrooms currently growing on its surface. So on Tuesday, I mentioned that China had launched the first module of their space station at the end of April, and now you may have heard that there's a bit of an issue with the re-entry of part of the rocket used to launch the module. So the Tianhe module successfully separated from the core stage of the Long March 5B rocket and entered its initial orbit, but the core stage also entered orbit, and now we're waiting for an uncontrolled re-entry at some unknown place and time. Okay, so we do have a slight idea of place and time, and scientists as well as government officials aren't that worried. Andrew Jones of Space News reports that the Aerospace Corporation has estimated re-entry of the 30-meter-long rocket core around 9 p.m. Eastern on May 9th, but notes that this is plus-minus 41 hours. Quoting Forbes, The booster will be among the 10 largest objects to ever re-enter the Earth's atmosphere on an uncontrolled trajectory. There have been no recorded deaths resulting from previous re-entries. There is a roughly 70% chance debris will fall mainly into the ocean, the Washington Post reports, while the odds of it affecting a populated area are minuscule. 
Nonetheless, some experts have sounded the alarm, including Harvard University astrophysicist Jonathan McDowell, who warned, quote, it's potentially not good. Last time they launched a Long March 5B rocket, they ended up with big long rods of metal flying through the sky and damaging several buildings in the Ivory Coast, McDowell told The Guardian. Most of it burned up, but there were these enormous pieces of metal that hit the ground. We were very lucky no one was hurt, end quote. For how exactly we got here, Space News explains, quote, Designed specifically to launch space station modules into low Earth orbit, the Long March 5B uniquely uses a core stage and four side boosters to place its payload directly into low Earth orbit. However, this core stage is now also in orbit and is likely to make an uncontrolled re-entry over the next days or week as growing interaction with the atmosphere drags it to Earth. Most expendable rocket first stages do not reach orbital velocity and re-enter the atmosphere and land in a predefined re-entry zone. Some other larger second stages perform de-orbit burns to lower altitude to reduce time in orbit and lower chances of collisions with other spacecraft or to immediately re-enter the atmosphere. There had been speculation that the Long March 5B core would perform an active maneuver to de-orbit itself, but that appears not to have happened, end quote. And later in the article, Space News notes of its re-entry, quote, The high speed of the rocket body means it orbits the Earth roughly every 90 minutes, so a change of just a few minutes in re-entry time results in a re-entry point thousands of kilometers away. The Long March 5B core stage's orbital inclination of 41.5 degrees means the rocket body passes a little farther north than New York, Madrid, and Beijing, and as far south as southern Chile and Wellington, New Zealand, and could make its re-entry point at any point within this area. The most likely event will see any debris surviving the intense heat of re-entry, falling into the oceans or uninhabited areas, but the risk remains of damage to people or property." End quote. Also, animals, I might add. And while some like U.S. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin have made not-so-veiled comments that those operating in the space domain should operate safely and thoughtfully, the AV Club points out, quote, Before you get all haughty, we apparently do the same damn thing all the time. Only a few weeks ago, one of Elon Musk's Falcon 9 rockets made an uncontrolled re-entry that gifted a quaint farm in Washington State a giant heavy pressure tank. And, as noted by Motherboard, the United States holds the record for the largest uncontrolled re-entry ever, which occurred in 1979 when the 79-ton Skylab station scattered debris across the Indian Ocean and Western Australia. So yeah, if there's one thing that seemingly unites all of humanity, it's our eternal yearning to reach beyond the stars, that and flinging gigantic rocket carcasses back towards our once pristine planet." End quote. So maybe keep your eyes peeled Sunday night-ish. Space News notes that assuming all goes well and it does land somewhere that doesn't cause harm to any humans or other creatures, a nighttime re-entry would be a really freaking cool sight to see. So here's something that I missed when it debuted earlier this year, but it's still pretty great. Lego released a nearly four-hour ambient playlist of Lego sounds called White Noise. Featuring seven half-hour-long tracks, it's available on most major streaming platforms as well as YouTube, quoting Lego's press release. Like other white noise tracks, the playlist is designed to help listeners find a moment of zen in their day, making it the perfect audio accompaniment for falling asleep, unwinding, or relaxing through Lego building. 
The Lego White Noise playlist has been released to accompany the immersive Lego Botanical Collection building experience. Following research that found that almost three quarters, or 73%, of adults are on the hunt for new ways to de-stress. End quote. And that botanical collection is pretty cool too, by the way, and something that I hadn't seen before. It's a series of Lego flowers and bonsai trees that are designed to be displayed in your home after you build them. And they look pretty great too, like even though they're Lego, they do look more refined than hokey. But anyways, back to the white noise playlist. The tracks were created using only Lego bricks, and the company says that since every Lego element makes a unique noise, designers experimented with over 10,000 of them to find just the right sounds. So some tracks like Built for Two and It All Clicks are harsher and clunkier as you can hear someone searching through Lego pieces and putting them together, while others like Wild as the Wind and The Waterfall are a little more consistent, soothing, and abstract as you hear thousands of Lego bricks cascading down together. Here's a quick listen to The Waterfall. I also especially like the final track on the playlist, The Night Builder, because despite still just being made from the sounds of Lego bricks, it sounds a bit like a crackling campfire. So if you want a new white noise playlist, either while you work, as you sleep, or as a meta soundtrack to building your own Lego creations, check out the link in the show notes. Well, that is it for this week. As always, this show was produced by Ride Home Media and Kotki.org. I am Jackson Bird, and I will talk to you again on Monday.